Systematic. Systematic. Recorded in Humble Park, Chicago. Systematic Podcast. Hosted by Twin Sisters. It's a magic podcast. Alexis and Samantha. Just in case your friends are Systematic Podcast. Hey, welcome back to Systematic Podcast. The show about politics, pop culture, and sisterhood. It's your girls here. I'm Sam. And I'm Alexis. And this is season three. Welcome. We are so grateful to be here, and it's really crazy to me that this is our third season. For sure. This new season is really our opportunity to take everything that we've learned, take the support that we received from the Field Foundation grant, and just try and build out this whole new season um, to be more interactive and just like higher quality and higher quality content and stories. Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited about this episode. I think uh, we have such a great conversation with our amazing guest, Letitia Renee. So I'm really excited for everyone to hear this um and just excited yeah for all of the other stories that we're gonna get to tell this season so we took a little break after we wrapped up season two and we've spent that time really focused on planning but there's been a lot going on in the world in the time that we've been gone and there's a ton to catch up on before we get to the worlds of politics and pop culture did you want to do a quick check-in sam and get get people up to speed on what we've been up to yeah so i think one of the most noteworthy things that we've done recently is gotten fully vaccinated um yes yeah we are pfizer princesses now yeah i think that is really important it is yes um if you haven't got vaccinated yet we definitely encourage everyone to do so in chicago as of now anyone who wants a vaccine can get the vaccine there's places that do walk-in appointments you don't need or walk-in vaccine shots you don't Mm -hmm. need an appointment um so it's it's super accessible now um and it's really important that we continue to get everyone vaccinated the pandemic isn't really going to be officially over and we're not going to be able to go back to quote unquote normal life until we get the majority of americans vaccinated so yeah keep getting those uh shots y'all yeah and my experience was actually not that bad i know normally with vaccines it can be common for people to have some side effects even with like the flu vaccine you might get like a fever after you get the flu shot yeah but um yeah i've I had a pretty bearable experience, just a sore arm and a slight headache, and I took an ibuprofen and I felt better. So I think it was definitely worth it to protect myself and protect those around me. So other than the vaccine, should we briefly catch up a little bit on like just some of the things we've been working on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we both have been pretty busy lately. Alexis has been wrapping up her master's degree she'll be done in like less than six weeks so it's been really inspiring to watch i don't know how you do it i'm almost there um sam has also been working on some pretty big projects she's signed to some ndas so i can't say exactly what they are at the moment (laughs) um but i'm really excited to see them get finished too and we'll definitely share them with you as as they wrap up as well so that's that on that do you want to jump into politics first yeah let's go so there has been a lot going on in chicago and across the country 
Yes, last week in Minneapolis, the whole world watched as the verdict came down in the trial against Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, who was the officer that murdered George Floyd last May. And I think, yeah, we we all held our breath as that verdict came down. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it was a relief to see him be found guilty on all charges. Right. Um, but th- fucked up that, like, so many people could have expected it to not even go that way when the whole world saw this footage. Yes. I mean, statistically, it was more likely that he would be found not guilty. Um, so so there was a lot, definitely a lot to hold your breath about. And it, it's... It's really unfortunate, yeah, like you just said, that we even have to consider um, that whether or not justice is possible, yeah, in, in such a uh, clear case. Right. And while we were able to see that trial close and see that police officer, that one individual officer to an extent, be held accountable, we have so far to go in terms of really achieving justice for victims, in terms of really preventing police violence and preventing um, more people being unnecessarily brutalized and killed by the police. Uh, and what this, Yeah, I mean, Derek Chauvin going to jail doesn't make anyone really safer like it doesn't mean that other police officers are going to be held accountable when they brutalize or murder people since that trial that verdict came down we just continue to have to witness case after case video after video of police using excessive and deadly force yeah just within the past two weeks here in chicago there has been two separate body cam footage videos released of the police just unnecessarily murdering a a young boy and a young man here in our city um it's really heavy right and the officer that killed adam toledo in little village i believe his name is eric stillman Mm -hmm. he's not gonna face any charges he killed a 13 year old boy who had his hands up in the air and is he gonna go to trial no i mean yeah it doesn't seem like it no yeah exactly so um for people who think that you know uh derek chauvin going to jail is Is like some victory and Mm -hmm. we can all go back to normal life um it's it's not the case and we all need to um continue to stay engaged and apply pressure Mm -hmm. and um really advocate for changes that allow for defunding of the police reallocation of those resources um, to systems and things that actually create safety in other big developments in the world of politics and policy president joe biden just passed his first hundred days in office about 40 percent of americans have now received at least one dose of a covid19 vaccine um, so that is huge. We need to, again, continue that progress. 
but there's a ton of other issues of course that we need to be focusing on joe biden is struggling and floundering to address immigration mm-hmm. um and of course we need swift action in a lot of other areas there's still obstacles even though we have now uh, democratic control of the presidency and congress because of republicans obstructing the passage of legislation so we'll see how things go right yeah i mean it's nice to not have a president that is having like mental breakdowns publicly on twitter at 2 a.m but that being said the bar is so low it's at the floor (laughs) Right. So we're just going to do what we can to continue to keep a critical eye on what this new administration is doing. And we'll continue to keep y'all posted. Switching over to pop culture now, Sam, what are some things that have been on your mind? Well, one thing that I wanted to talk about first was like this whole incident with Khloe Kardashian on like social media. Someone uploaded an unfiltered photo or like an unedited photo of her in a bikini. And apparently she was like really upset about it and just like trying to do everything to get it like taken down and like deleted. Yeah, like using her lawyers to send like cease and desist letters and things like that. Yeah, so, and like, I just like, man, I guess I just thought that that was like, sad that like because it's not like she looked like bad even like it's just like an unedited photo photo. yeah and like i just thought that there's like a greater discussion around this about like the pressure that social media like puts on people um especially women but like men as well to like live up to like these like unrealistic like standards and Mm -hmm. like the kardashians are like the standard for like so many women's like beauty ideals right well it's so crazy to think that so many women are comparing themselves to this like super unrealistic standard of beauty looking at this family in particular Mm -hmm. and like the family doesn't even live up to that standard of beauty because when you compare this like unedited photo of her where she looks beautiful and just like natural and like herself But when you compare that unedited photo to the types of like super highly edited and filtered photos that she typically posts online, it's like, I mean, they're just completely different. They look like different people. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's crazy that people are like looking at these pictures and feeling bad about themselves when the people in the picture don't even look like that. Yeah, no, it's super like unhealthy and and just unfortunate um because people who are in positions like this and have platforms like the kardashians do have the ability to really influence and change narratives around body image and like what would it look like if that photo came out and chloe was just like i don't give a fuck i'm still cute like you know Mm -hmm. how empowering could that have been um to other women and instead it like she acted like it was something to be embarrassed or ashamed of yeah what message does that send to you know other women who are just trying to yeah accept themselves um so i think this story is just a reminder that social media is not real and i think we could all benefit from 
working on loving ourselves and really trying to uplift the people around us period and with that being said i know that there was another pretty controversial story that you wanted to touch on too yeah i mean this isn't like the most recent like breaking news this happened like a little bit over our break but it's just something that has kind of stuck with me and that i thought would be um important to talk about it's lil nas x is his video for montero this video was super controversial when it dropped and lots of people the internet had a lot to say about it mainly because it had a lot of religious references that i think um certain conservatives were really offended by well people of different faiths yeah um yeah and i mean yeah just to say it like bluntly there's like one scene in particular where lil nas x like slides down a stripper pole into hell and essentially gives the devil a lap dance um it is pretty outrageous like visuals to view for sure but i feel like a lot of people like don't understand the background or like the context of the video which i think is actually really powerful lil nas x has talked a lot about how difficult it was for him to grow up as a gay man gay black man in a conservative religious community and family and how much he really internalized so much hatred for himself um, because of religion and because he was told and believed that he would be going to hell because of his sexual orientation so personally i think it's kind of funny that so many people were mad because it's like y'all are mad you know how much harm like you cause to the lgbt community and like all of these kids all across the country and the world that like grow up in these religious communities and like yeah have to deal with so much like hatred and confusion um so he's kind of like trolling them and i'm here for it honestly yeah that makes sense also the song is just super catchy i i love the song i also thought the video was super well done i could understand why some people would be offended but yeah just as like a piece of art i thought it was very powerful the production in general is just like crazy like crazy visuals um yeah definitely like super high quality so go peep that if you haven't and we're gonna keep it moving we're about to get into our guest interview for the episode and the subject matter is something that's really important to us yeah we should do a trigger warning um because the topic for our interview and this episode overall is on sexual assault awareness month Mm -hmm. so our interview does center on um raising awareness around sexual assault and the healing journey that survivors um have to take and yeah i think it's a really honest conversation and people should definitely take into account how uh, difficult it is or can be for people to um discuss and just yeah engage in these conversations especially if you are a survivor um and yeah i think it's also important to say that um these experiences and the healing process like 
look different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to highlight these stories. Definitely. And we're so grateful for Letitia for sitting down with us and having this conversation. That being said, if you start to listen to the interview and you realize that you feel a bit triggered or you're not in the right um, headspace to take a listen at that time, definitely feel free to pause, come back to it at your own pace, and or hit us up if you have any questions or if you um, feel like you could benefit from some resources that we could help connect you to or some of the resources that we touch on in the episode. Mm -hmm. We are definitely happy to make those connections. Right. So we're going to get right to it. If you have a moment, just even while you're listening to this, rate us on whatever podcast streaming platform you're listening to. We would really appreciate it. Hit our email or our DMs with any other feedback or suggestions as we continue to roll out our third season. We would love to hear from you. We are sitting here with the amazing, inspirational Letitia Renee. Um, hi, Tisha. Thanks so much. Hi, guys. For joining <laughs> us. Um, yeah, a little bit about you, right, to intro you. So you are a multidisciplinary artist and designer from Chicago. Yes, right? yes, yes. Yes. You founded your brand, Eugene Taylor Brand, in 2015. Yes. Right. Um, which is like a unisex design house, I think that yeah really yes good. clothing made for all yes. yes and you also started safe house in 2019 yes to create space for survivors of abuse mm-hmm. which is amazing um yeah before we're, we're here to talk about a pretty specific topic but before we get into that um yeah can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your brand and how you got started um well i'm super passionate so my clothing is designed with passion little tagline um that kind of like trickles down to what i do with safe house it's kind of comes from my own trauma and whatnot um yeah awesome (laughs) yeah we've been following (laughs) your work for yeah. a long time mm-hmm. um yeah. and you you're like mainly self-taught you learn design like from family so my grandma taught me how to sew um when i was like super young like she used to like make like most grandmas like like make all those cute little outfits when like you're a baby and stuff um and then i kind of like took an interest into that and she taught me how to starting to sew like little doll clothes and stuff like that like underwear like just like little things like that are like patching holes in like um whoever's clothes that needed it stuff like that and then when i got older and i started to like really dislike the clothes that my parents were buying for me and stuff um or i wanted to like trick something out a little bit more whatever like I'd like really got into like altering things and like kind of like figuring out what I wanted to do um 
but I didn't really like dive dive into that until like super later after my grandma died then I like really started to take things a little bit I guess my future more seriously and like what I was doing because I was just kind of like playing around a lot when uh before that um but definitely my grandma but also my dad too um he was super fashionable and um I used to iron all his clothes was pretty much like my chore was like to iron his clothes and like do his laundry and stuff like that so like I got to really get um to know like how clothing is constructed I think more from like ironing and like creasing because mm -hmm. he's like super old-fashioned where he wants like the crease down the front of his pants and all of that so like I was like looking at the seams and stuff and like I was super intrigued by that and I think that that um was another in for me outside of my grandma kind of like putting the machines in front of me and stuff I think also to like mm -hmm. me taking interest from like how clothing is actually made really that's like my favorite part is like how it's made and like the construction yeah that's super interesting um and so like all of the designs that you make are by hand yeah by you yeah incredible <laughs> yeah it's amazing um i don't want it to always be like that but chicago is just like there's not we don't really have any resources this we all know mm -hmm. um so it's just like the way that it is for now but mm -hmm. eventually when i scale it, up i but my samples will always be made by me because i honestly enjoy it yeah, <laughs> so that's awesome so have you been have you been like self-employed then since you started your brand i have i would say i've been like self-employed maybe um 2016 not the first year um i was but then i got like nervous so then i like went and took a job at a friend's spot so um but then i just kind of like needed to do my own thing mm -hmm. um so since i would say since like beginning of 2016 i've kind of like been on my own which is crazy because my sixth year is actually may 9th which is coming up yes amazing <laughs> doing it yeah no that is incredible i've been like self-employed for like two years now and it's so scary but it's also like so it's beautiful but it's also very scary because like you literally have to like nobody's getting you up in the morning like nobody's yeah. like holding you to a paycheck like if you don't get here by 9 a.m like you aren't gonna get this money like right. it's not you have to get up and find the money and yourself like structure yeah. yeah everything yourself yeah it, it is difficult i like what am i doing today right um, it's, it's sometimes i'm like oh my god i just want to be told what to do like but then i'm like no i don't <laughs> yeah, yeah i feel yeah i mean i feel like yeah very very fortunate and blessed to like wake yeah. up and like make my own decisions and be able to sustain myself all yeah. of my it's work. a beautiful thing yeah i feel very fortunate um but yeah that is awesome and i really need a piece one day okay our birthday is coming up maybe we could do like a custom i, I don't been. know if you do. <laughs> <laughs> probably too busy but um yeah definitely one day yeah um, but yeah again like yeah thank you so much for coming and like sitting down with us um as we mentioned, yeah, we were like getting ready to start our third season and we knew that it was April's Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. And like, this is just like, yeah, a topic that is really important to us. And we were just kind of thinking like about how to hold space for this conversation and like 
who would want to <laughs> and we remembered um yeah the essays that you wrote in 2019 and like how you approached that and like really created that space for yourself and we saw like i mean from like a distance you know like we're not like super close but from yeah. a distance i could see so much community forming around you and yeah. like that was like really like beautiful and admirable because i know that that is like really fucking difficult to yeah. do um right. so yeah i mean i think even like us picking this as a conversation for like as we're launching our new season um like sam said this is a really important topic for us and it's also like a topic people don't really like yeah to talk about um but yeah it's like if not us who if not right. now when yeah um so here we are here yeah. we are um yeah <sighs> yeah as like survivors ourselves, we know that it's like really difficult um to come forward and like it's like an interesting word <laughs> yeah forever. it is like i don't know if we want to start just talking about that we posted a definition on like our instagram yesterday um and it's like yeah something i think that a lot of survivors like have a hard time even like identifying with even yeah. for myself like i'm just like okay well no one tried to kill me like you know right what I mean? like, yeah in a in a way though it's like survivor it's just surviving harm I, mm -hmm. I you were placed in harm in some kind of way and mm -hmm. i think that if you were able to get up out of that harm no matter how small or how large i think that that makes you a survivor and that goes for like a lot of different things like a lot of different forms of survivorness mm -hmm. i don't know if that's a word it's a word um, <laughs> <laughs> yes um yeah um i mean i i i like it i think it's a good term um it's a powerful term i think yeah. that's how you should feel like after you've been harmed or abused in any form i think that more people need to feel like powerful that you are a survivor i think that that's maybe why people have been more encouraged to drop the victim word right. um and use the term survivor because using the word victim i think is encouraging the silence and mm -hmm. encouraging like the shame and the disdain and the weird mark that you have the scarlet letter mm -hmm. you know that you have on your forehead after something like that happens like i think survivor is a better word because you should feel but you should feel exactly what that definition is because you have survived something yeah like that right. was harmful yeah yeah i think it's affirming especially like if you like a lot of survivors like friends of mine will be like well what i went through wasn't that bad mm -hmm. or like what, what other people went through was worse mm -hmm. um so i feel like reclaiming that word is affirming because it's yeah. like no like you shouldn't have had to experience these things yeah. so i also feel like i don't really feel like anyone can tell you like um how something made you feel mm -hmm. so your friend sorry for her because her experiences were just as bad as anyone else's because you know she's a different person like she you know like it's Everyone. her experiences are just as like Valid. and she deserves just as much um for sure for that yeah yeah i mean so another thing that we want to talk about that we like already have been talking about is kind of like the 
and I feel like they're like connected like it's these like terms um go with like this like pattern of silence that yeah. we are talking about and yeah how like people don't want to talk about these things which is like so strange because it's so prevalent like yeah. everyone knows a survivor like it's just like these experiences are so common to so many it's crazy mm-hmm. how many people like since i've been open about my trauma it's it's overwhelming to me at times how many people have come to me or mm-hmm. just like how many people i know like it's i mean they didn't know and i didn't know mm-hmm. like and it's like we're both just sitting here suffering in silence and that's where we're all at yeah definitely i'm like yeah what are like i guess some of the reasons or like barriers i mean i have my own but like i mean vulnerability is is one Mm -hmm. like not feeling like you're not gonna be believed um often not often always the survivor is the one on trial right it's never the abuser Mm -hmm. it's i feel like the abuser like always has like the better defense which just is ridiculous to me but um they seem to always come out better on top and the survivor always gets picked apart so when you see that cycle why would you want you just want to deal with it on your own terms like i sometimes um feel hypocritical like um encouraging people to not suffer in silence because i did for a very long time um so but i i feel like i advocate for it because i understand what it can possibly do to a person and the different trials and tribulations that you will have moving forward if you don't find a way to deal with it and i think um by talking about it is a way to deal with it Uh, i started to write about it Mm -hmm. that's where the essays came from because there were maybe like maybe like five ten max people throughout like i'm um the things stopped happening to me when i was 17 when i um left home but um, I wasn't fully dealing with it until it was, I was forced to deal with it because it was, um, there was a trial for it. My dad is in, in prison. Um, so I had, was forced to deal with that. And even then I wasn't trying to deal with it. So it was like peeping out cause I was like forced and it's like, I wasn't ready to deal with it until I was ready to deal with it. And moving into a new chapter in my life and feeling like I'm becoming my best self with this thing just kind of like hanging over my head Mm -hmm. Uh, I started to just write and I just started and that's what worked for me and is still working for me because I hate to say it but it's like you have to work at it Mm -hmm. like it's a process and it's something that like because I have genuine triggers and things that do bother me um and it's just like you know my abuse went on for 10 years during a very pivotal point in my life so 
like there are there are a lot of things that I had to unlearn Mm -hmm. and I had to um, realize that like what I was taught is not actually um, true love right you know Mm -hmm. and it and I didn't catch that until I'm like a couple years ago Mm -hmm. um, I realized that I had like got into relationships that with controlling men like but it um I don't always fully fault them because I also feel like me unknowingly was seeking that because that is what I and I'm a very I'm a very um well-grounded black woman so there's not much that you can tell me but um when it comes to a more intimate situation I do there are because of um the forms of love that I was given as a child and what I was taught what love was so there are things that there are confusions that I'm trying to work through and those are a lot of triggers and things that that go into I feel like um someone wanting to talk about why would you want to talk about any of what we're talking about would anybody want to like dig into any of this but um it really is more helpful and i think it gives you people a better understanding not that my trauma should make people understand me more but i do feel like it does make people understand um why i may be standoffish and not want to fully engage with a random human being right for sure (laughs) yeah really relatable yeah definitely well I think you're touching on a lot of things there like you're touching on like first kind of like how long it can take someone who experiences something like this to fully understand and process and contextualize what you experience which was one of the the questions yeah one of our listeners submitted a question like how long did it take before you kind of like understood what you experienced and yeah I, I think people don't realize that especially when there's gaslighting involved especially when there's a huge power dynamic um like imbalance of power yeah. um and especially when you're in a developmental stage in your life mm-hmm. like it can take a long time to process and right. people think like well why didn't you just do this or why didn't you like and, yeah. and people Why in different situations, something? it might take people different amounts of time. Mm-hmm. For me, like, yeah, in my case, it took me definitely months. And this is all really personal, obviously. But that's why we're talking about it. Um, but yeah, so it, it took like months for those things to set in until you realize you need to process and you need to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that you were touching on um, that I think is really important, it, uh, you were talking about writing. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, so, so important, like so helpful. Um, I think, yeah, it's been like um, really helpful for, for me as well, just like journaling. Um, I think like it's really underrated. Like it's a really people always think you should go see a therapist. Mm -hmm. I saw a therapist and she gave me nightmares, like vivid nightmares. Mm -hmm. Like I was a kid again. Like I couldn't sleep. I had a partner at the time that I was attacking Mm -hmm. in my sleep. Like not obviously not on purpose, but like I thought that I was being harmed. Mm -hmm. Like so, therapy didn't work for me. So Mm -hmm. like what worked for, and I think that that's also a thing. It's like more unconventional ways quote-unquote unconventional ways to heal Mm -hmm. outside of therapy because it's like you got a problem go see a therapist like Mm -hmm. 
And that's also just an option that most of us of like people of color that have just learned is an actual option because I my whole childhood going to see a therapist was for white people and like that's what that is. For so sure. like also too with like touching on not wanting to talk growing up in a household like which i'm sure you guys relate to black and brown household like what stays in the house what happens in the house stays mm-hmm. in the house so like mm-hmm. yeah as far like so if you put all of these things like into someone's head that's a survivor like there's so many reasons why you stay silent and like that's mm-hmm. so understood um yeah, I'm, it's also just, like, really difficult to, like, actually access, like, good, like, resources and find, like, yeah, good. Um, that don't feel judgmental. Yeah, I mean, I, well, especially when, like, the field of therapy has, like, historically not been, like, very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I was fortunate to, like, find some someone that, like, worked, and I think that it was helpful for me, but, yeah, like, every, you know, everyone's, um, path is different and the place that I was going was their work was like specifically for survivors so I think mm-hmm. like it was more like really specified yeah. maybe just like more spaces like that because there aren't a yeah. lot of spaces like that um that because there are like I feel like there should be like specific therapists for mm-hmm. this type of thing just because I just I don't yeah well yeah. there's a place here in chicago um that we like plugged on our page yesterday and we can um like plug more but yeah it's called resilience um and they do a lot of like work around survivors and like center like uh yeah. like black indigenous people of color and uh they're amazing yeah they have a lot and it's all free which is amazing but um yeah so i was really fortunate to be able to find that and i think that it um helped me a lot to get like more of like the language like yeah personally yeah i'm just like oh someone tried to assault me like oh yeah that happened oh anyway that was my experience but um yeah i think writing is amazing something else that i do and it can be difficult because it's like so intimate but yeah so intimate with with self like it's like a really beautiful form of self-love um because you just get to like not like depict yourself but just like kind of go back but like in a very like calm and smooth way like it's it's very peaceful to like read back your words Mm -hmm. or to like read your writing as you're writing it you know Mm -hmm. like and to come to like an understanding with yourself or like to remember something that you've buried Mm -hmm. like a trauma of some sort like it can be very it can be very beautiful and peaceful but also scary at the same time yeah i mean you're literally like getting it out of yourself and like you can't lie to yourself because it's in front of you yeah (laughs) and Um. it's like it's time to deal with it because it's like so it's like i mean again it's 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 growth is what it is it's it's Mm -hmm. it's growth it's wanting to be better and like get to the root of whatever is bothering you because regardless those things just kind of like shape us to move forward in a different way like any experience in life shapes us to move forward in a different way evolve or or not evolve you know yeah for sure do you think that writing also helped you like reorient the narrative and reclaim your narrative i think writing first like 
um, just kind of got me to remember everything because I really, I really shoved it down really deep. And like those, that small amount of people that had known over that they, no one could, you couldn't get those people together and they couldn't tell you the whole story Mm -hmm. because it was like, whenever I felt like sharing, I would share, you know what I mean? But it wasn't like, I wasn't really ever really able to fully wanting to admit what happened to me like because it always felt more of my fault than it than anything and that's like a common thing or like why didn't it's like and because of the extent of the amount of time like it's like the questions that like I know people want to ask me like the looks that I get when I tell them that like Mm -hmm. you know it's my my own dad it's like i like you don't want to deal with any of that like because you think i don't feel like you think i don't feel the way that you like you're feeling like 10 times fold like are you kidding like so it's just like i don't think people always know what the right thing to say and it's like Mm -hmm. hard to fault them for not knowing Mm -hmm. like the right thing to say it just like kind of like closes you up Mm-hmm. a little bit more and not wanting to share that or not wanting to deal with it mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that's definitely part of it too like uh part of like adds to why it's hard for people to come forward because it's even like so hard yeah most people aren't aware don't aren't educated don't have like vocabulary yeah. or like know how to respond so like even if you do come forward to someone who's like a close friend or a loved one like they might not be able to respond in a way that's really helpful it feels like you're like it's like um a burden of Mm -hmm. some sort that you're carrying like even though it's your you're the one in pain it's like when you share with another person it automatically you feel like it becomes their burden because they don't know how to respond properly to Mm -hmm. it but it's like again like what then what do you do as a person like but these are all going back to the reasons why people don't talk about these things definitely it's like the not not having the proper support systems like is i think is a major thing Mm because i think if i would have had the proper support system i probably wouldn't have taken so long to deal with it Mm -hmm. um because it's like it's like 10 years of abuse and then 10 years of ignoring that the abuse happened and all of a sudden I choose to you know to deal with it yeah you know and it's like it I sometimes get frustrated when I think about all the time that I just kind of like just allowed certain things to happen because Mm -hmm. like that's just what I thought it was and Mm -hmm. but I also try to be kind to myself and I think that that's the most important thing is like being kind to myself because I didn't like I didn't have a you know get a cherry with a bow on top that wasn't my situation so you know I came out of it and Mm -hmm. the best I could right I think that part is really important yeah I feel like it can sound like cheesy people are like love yourself or like yeah self-care and whatnot but it's really giving yourself grace like Mm -hmm. to be like who you are yeah. to like figure out how to cope like in whatever ways to walk are helpful in your for truth you. too and that's like not staying silent is more for you than it is for anybody else like right. because being able to walk in your truth is something very different mm-hmm. than anything else it's it's yeah it's beautiful yeah no i agree and i mean yeah that's something that i 
I'm like working on like yeah. actively and um yeah like I haven't like so like I said yeah like really like spoken like in a public way or about like even identifying um as a survivor about my experiences and I try to speak up for like women and uh for survivors in general but like not something I connect myself with we also have freelancer brain where we're like overly hard on ourselves <laughs> like creative like so it's like the work that you have to produce and like so i'm very hard on myself because i'm like i try to keep a very strict schedule like you need to do this you need to do that all this needs to get done like so that is like so i have a lot of self-love but i sometimes battle with it when it comes to like my my work life comes into because i'm just very like let's go let's go let's go let's go let's go i'm not i love uh, I think I'm just like a workaholic in that sense where mm-hmm. I could just like ease up on myself a little bit. Definitely. When it comes to working. I mean, you produce so much. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you do that. Running a whole design I house. I feel like <laughs> until I can't, I won't yeah. stop producing stuff. I, It's all in my brain and it keeps coming and I have more. So yeah. <laughs> when I'll stop. I don't have any more. <laughs> um, another thing, yeah, I thought. Well, I wanted to talk about this book that I've been reading. It's called All About Love by Bell Hooks. Have you heard of it? Yes, I love Bell Um, Because, like, there's a whole chapter about, like, child, like, discipline and, like, abuse and how it's confusing, like, even for, like, parents, yeah, to, like, hit, like, discipline their kids. Because, yeah. like, they're taught that, like, someone can, like, hurt you and love you at the same time. Um, and, like, yeah, that book, it's really, I recommend it. Um, but, yeah, it talks about, like, generational like trauma and like just something else because i've been reading it now while going through therapy too and just like thinking about how it's always been normalized for children to just be like physically like disciplined um and like how like we actually are like addressing these like cycles of like trauma and like abuse there's a lot in like within families i mean it even goes as like small as like little things that like when your parents are like, I brought you in this world, I can take you out. Like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, what? <laughs> or like, like I didn't actually, like, when they just say things, like, you literally asked to be put on this planet. Like, no, you got together with my daddy and decided y'all was going to have some babies. I didn't ask to actually be here. Just like, but that's like, actually, but that's what happened to them. So it's like, mm-hmm. there is a weird cycle of abuse within like the way that families interact Mm -hmm. like i think the whooping is a lot Mm -hmm. um that's extensive i also feel like like myself like growing up in a household where my parent like my dad used to beat my mom Mm -hmm. so like that's what some kids actually see so like Mm -hmm. yeah some men like that's what they see and they think that that's actually how you treat your woman Mm -hmm. so like until that cycle is somehow broken by their being told that this is incorrect like mm-hmm. you, it's very hard to break like a like a 10-year cycle right like if that's all you're seeing your whole childhood or like 10 years we're talking about 18 years like we're supposed to be at home with our parents mm-hmm. whatever 18 years that's all you're seeing in a household right. and then like you go out into the real world what you're probably smacking up your first girlfriend exactly. like <laughs> oh no um I it's mean, wrong no it is wrong it's wrong but i also want to have some accountability from where it's coming from right like like 
that person needs to be held accountable they need to hold themselves accountable but we also need to figure out where at the root it's like we just keep asking for accountability but like where are these problems actually coming from is something like i've been super interested in trying to figure out and i really think some of it does come from like what we're seeing as kids in the household or like so definitely the absence of a father or a mother whatever and then you you get and you have like you know you're out on the block and like that's what you see is catcalling so like you catcall and you think that's what women want to be catcalled it's like little shit like that and then it's like you on the block for 15 years catcalling right well in that sense it's it's like it's systematic too right because like people just don't operate well under stress and like when you live in like poverty or like a low-income community like stress is just all around you all the time so it's like now i'm being a nerd but like it's like economic in a sense too because if families had less stress and more resources like they there would probably be less yeah or knowing that like therapy is an option like you know for both parents because you know but like that that is again like growing up like that's not wasn't for us that's what we were told totally yeah i mean yeah i grew up like with very like uh verbally abusive (laughs) presence in my life and yeah like it just like i just like i literally like within the past few months i'm just like oh i was emotionally abused like verbal and emotional abuse (laughs) is something that's so ignored like and it's not taken seriously but if you're literally talking to a person and telling them that they're nothing or some like repeatedly every day someone tell you like you're not capable of things and that's a repeated thing that parents i feel like parents and family members do to each other and it is like so abusive and ridiculous like for and then you just have to forgive it because it's family that's absurd i'm sorry that's ridiculous and i will not do it anymore like yeah no i'm sorry that no for sure yeah and i think that like that's where like setting boundaries um comes in and is really important Um, yeah yeah and being able to like choose like your community and the people around you and the people you (laughs) the people you uh look to as family absolutely um, as you grow Mm -hmm. yeah i think another thing that we were talking about is accountability and like yeah holding yourself accountable too which is really because i'm like yeah i experienced so much verbal abuse and then like you said like i got into a serious and like i was really toxic like i yeah. like i and like i'm so glad that i have like grown from that but, like yeah like i was so capable of being so mean as well and so something else that i'm working on is holding myself accountable but i think that um yeah can we talk about like accountability like in general and like what that looks like and how we can show up for ourselves and like those around us have any thoughts um oh i was gonna say i heard an interesting i think like metaphor about accountability the other day i was watching a lecture thing and this woman was talking about accountability kind of like thinking about it as cars on a highway like if you're a tiny mini cooper and there's like a huge hummer or whatever like if you're that hummer you can't just be crazy like you can't just be like like zigzagging riding in the middle of the road like 
did you choose to be a hummer i guess like if we think about this in like a dynamic of men and women like you didn't choose to be a man and especially if you're like a very large man like you're right. six foot five or something you didn't choose to have like the stature and all of these privileges i guess but uh they were talking about accountability in the sense like you still have to be like you still have to like drive within your lane you yeah. have to be aware of the space that you're taking up um i, I just thought that was like an interesting metaphor to think about That's accountability and i mean i think that that covers it really i think that a level of understanding for just one another each other like in general like does wonders um i think when these subjects come up it's just like ignored and nobody wants to talk about it and i think if more people just simply listened then more of these things that are happening um and these stories that um are being told like they would be taken more seriously and they'd probably strike a lot of people's hearts like there's just like this major stigma where it's just like we don't even get that far like we're i mean we're just getting people to like hold themselves accountable for killing black people so it's mm -hmm. like i and it's like are they but that's like a whole right right <laughs> it's related I, I was thinking about that yeah because i'm like even with like white privilege like people want to act like that doesn't exist yeah um yeah i mean the i mean the the you know the facts are that like we don't have like systems or institutions that are here to hold people accountable for abuse or well yeah we have a system like we have like well, the criminal legal system the, but it's but not it's not it's it was never meant so to. i literally my whole so i dealt with that whole system because my dad used to be my mom like as well as like so outside of all of that like also was like physically abused as well like all of my brothers and sisters and i so like the police were called frequently so like i dealt with dcfs and like what they do like i'm sure it may be a little bit more now but like really it's 72 hours away from the house and then you can go back and like beat on your wife some more like that is the yeah. system that's in place you have time that you have to spend away from the house and then you have legal rights to go back to the house and beat your kids dcfs will hold both your parents accountable when the police is called so what kid in their right mind is saying like saying anything because you don't want to get taken away from mommy because both sure. of them are on trial now yeah because now you're in the yeah. system so it's like <laughs> there is no system in place. yeah that, yeah yes, yeah that's exactly what I, was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't no. know what There's has no. changed because i was a kid a while ago so like i don't know what's changed but i don't think much has changed so no yeah, yeah. Like, that was the situation when i was a kid mm -hmm. yeah no for sure um yeah we we've had some experience experiences with proximity to to the system as well and yeah it's crazy it's a joke children it's like are, yeah. they're asking you and it's like for the first time people are asking you all the right questions that you've never been asked before you can't say mm -hmm. you can't tell your truth because if you tell your truth then you're going to be taken away from like you're going into the system if you tell the truth yeah. right so and, you don't tell the truth mm -hmm. and uh yeah similarly for um yeah like sexual violence like the criminal justice system what was that stat like alexis that for every 100 rapes, approximately two rapists will serve a day in prison. That's um, uh, from the Department of Justice, from our own government reporting that. You know what's crazy is they get more, you get more time for like 
well you used to get more time for weed than you would get for like harming someone Mm -hmm. right like for physically harming someone because some of these attacks end in like end in some shit okay so right it's that's very interesting yeah i also read this other book uh know my name by chanel miller i think i mentioned it too when we were talking before Mm -hmm. also i really recommend she's the survivor in the brock turner case yeah um stanford swimmer swimmer maybe Mm -hmm. for anyone listening it was like really like big case like this this girl like had everything in her case like all of the evidence like her her um there were witnesses her predator, DNA. like they literally like the witnesses like saw him tackled him like and like held him for the police like they had, had witnesses they had him they had the dna like literally everything that like a survivor would need in a case and he still only got six months and it was just like literally like there's no justice for any like it's why why would anyone even go try to go through this system it's like so you can just take someone's body Mm -hmm. without asking but you can break into somebody's house and get like 10 years Mm -hmm. yeah right so you just broke into my body how about that like is that like a real thing yeah exactly um which is why i am like interested in like so we don't have like these systems and there's you know no we can't lean on these to, systems to, yeah that is going to like protect us or like support us um so like yeah how can we show up for each other like how like, i mean that's kind of like my efforts with safe house like trying to just create a safe space but like safe space for survivors and a safe space for abusers to be able to hold themselves accountable like i think that that is a major part of it is that it's not safe house isn't about an attacking atmosphere or anything Mm -hmm. like that it's it's literally just about healing because there is some healing that needs to come from that abuser as well and like there are um there's similar tools you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like it and it starts with holding yourself accountable and um i don't think abusers understand how much that really does for a survivor Mm -hmm. because most of the process at the beginning is blaming yourself so Mm -hmm. if you remove that you're removing like at least five years of bullshit Mm-hmm. without being told that like you're removing so much time from that person just literally by holding yourself accountable for what it is that you decided to do mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i mean yeah i think like acknowledging things and like apologizing will really go a long way and it yeah. seems like really simple but yeah it's like grade school rules really like like let's just like don't you know keep your hands to yourself say sorry just, yeah say sorry wash your hands <laughs> you know right. Like, right. very like it's like we forget those mm-hmm. yeah so we were talking a little bit about like how like perpetrators can be involved and this is kind of like part of like a restorative justice like philosophy right yeah um but I, I think that that's something that people don't understand whether you're going through just like an interpersonal like accountability process or even like the legal system like trying like restitution and trying to help per- someone become whole again is like 
that's the point like it's not just like you did something bad so you should go to jail it's like even if someone does if that is what happens it's like the goal is that like the person that was harmed like yeah. can can start to be whole again like it's not just about punishment it's like how can you be restored exactly and that that's like what i was saying the main thing that i want to emphasize with safe house because i just feel like when people hear that someone's been abused it's like oh no here we go like like who do we have to cancel it's like right it's not like it's not about that it's just like let's first think about the survivor and like what is happening with them i just feel like these conversations just really need to start Mm -hmm. and then end with the thought of survivors in mind first Mm -hmm. and abusers last like they need to be a part of the conversation and respected during the conversation i feel like there needs to be a level of understanding and a level of respect on both sides but most importantly accountability Mm -hmm. um yeah and i don't really feel like within these parts of accountability when you start using certain words like but or if you felt (laughs) Mm -hmm. like but you um like kind of insinuating anything was the survivor's fault Mm -hmm. it's just not fair because then you're just not really ready to hold yourself accountable for your actions you're still finding a way to come out on top which is just a level of like narcissism i will never understand Mm -hmm. um because i just don't understand like how someone you can tell someone that you know you've hurt me and then you could be like no i didn't right so you don't get to say my angelou said it best she said you don't get to choose if someone if you hurt someone like if they said you hurt them you hurt them yeah as you're saying that i'm like yeah i'm just like really even yeah trying to like wrap my head well yeah i mean that's i mean that's how abuse works and that's making a parallel with race again like that's how like racism works too yeah. like if they believe all gaslighting yeah that you play a part in this or you deserve the type of treatment like it's harder to fight and dismantle mm-hmm. yeah especially if you're accustomed that. to it and like they know that like about you because i mean sometimes these things happen with just like your intimate partners and like when you share these things with them and you like tell them certain things they start to play on like those insecurities and those traumas which is just cruel really cruel (laughs) can we like okay so maybe can we well i was gonna say like yeah we have like 10 minutes left yes well so exactly so i think that my question might be good to wrap up like i was just gonna say can we maybe just give some suggestions like to people that are like trying to be supportive um like how can they because like i I had this happen to me recently someone posted something and i was like you should take this down that is like unknown like repeat like the major thing is 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 listen right exactly so many people like i not saying i would have dealt with my situation sooner but like i used to have some people try to force me whoever was close to me was trying to force me to deal with my stuff and i'm like i'm not ready to deal with it like 
I told you, and I probably told you, I'm not trying to be funny, but I probably told you I was drunk. Like, I wasn't in no position in, like, my mind to really, like, deal with that situation, like, while ago. Like, I just wasn't. So it's just, people just need to listen. Like, if yes. someone comes to you with this situation, like, don't, if you have not been through something like that, please do not try to make a scenario up in your brain and compare it. I think it's beautiful when people find ways to relate mm-hmm. within a conversation, but I just feel like who wants to relate to abuse? Like, what are you, like, you don't need to find some time in your life mm-hmm. to relate. I just feel like it's just a really listen. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's already hard enough to get it out, and I just feel like just, like, the listening is mm-hmm. the main thing, and, like, you don't have to worry about not saying the wrong thing. It's just, just listen. Say like, I hear you. Yeah. Like, like, cause that's really what it is. Yeah. It's like, you want to be heard and you want to be validated when you're saying something like that. You don't want to be questioned or like, well, why didn't you do this? Or like, well, why didn't you leave? Like, don't ask me why I didn't do anything. Cause you weren't there or within my mindset. It's really, you could say anything that's going to trigger someone. So like, I my real advice is just to listen mm-hmm. and say I hear you. Yeah, and to acknowledge their yeah. feelings. Right, which is literally like I think really like simple to do, and you would be surprised. You, <laughs> <laughs> That's what how I'm, many different ways that right. type of conversation can go because or just people don't want to listen. <laughs> they like I'm. They want to put their own experiences into it, or they don't want to hear it. Right. Or it's like they want to talk you out of it that it was even abuse. Right. right. So I think that, that is a really good yeah, suggestion for anyone listening that, like, yeah, wants to know how they can help or be supportive. Like, yeah, just listen and yes. validate mm-hmm. um, that person's experience. And um, yeah, I think part of that, like, is like being okay with like being uncomfortable. Like, if someone's talking to you about something, like, you might feel like okay i'm listening but like maybe i should change the subject or something like i feel like uncomfortable i don't know what to say like being conscious of that and yeah like telling yourself it's okay like you being uncomfortable temporarily like is like it provides so much value say anything Mm -hmm. that's the thing if you're uncomfortable you can be uncomfortable by yourself and your silence for just a second until this person gets what they need to get out like you're just going to be doing so much justice for you being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and not knowing what to say when you don't really need to say anything that's the thing is that people don't ever know what to say but you don't actually need to say anything I don't think when people are saying like what could you say if I sat out on this couch and told you every what could you say yeah I'm sorry yeah yes I know that you're sorry Mm -hmm. that's like the common thing it's like I'm sorry I know that you're sorry and I know that you wish that these things didn't happen I just like it's very therapeutical just to be able just to like Mm -hmm. just to be able just to talk and I think people just want to make it go away Mm -hmm. but you just like it's not a chalkboard it just like doesn't go away so it's like just encouraging them not to deal with it but just letting them talk just encouraging yeah or also i think maybe like asking like or saying like let me know if there's anything that you need Mm -hmm. like if there's something yes let them tell you what it is that you can do instead of you telling them Mm -hmm. what you can do because 
what you can do might not be what they need. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe even like a, I don't know, a small gesture could be like if you know someone's going through, I don't like bringing them tea or something like that. Yeah. Like, small gestures like that are comforting. Those are just things that comfort me. I not mean, that it's going to solve the things. problem. No. But, <laughs> but like, they're. Well, feeling like there's people there for you, like people that are there to listen or just like, I don't know if you just want to like listen to music or like watch like cartoons if you're having a bad day and there's like a friend that like understands what you're going through. Yeah, they don't have to say anything, but knowing that there's people you can be safe around. Definitely um, having some sort of a safe space or like a safe, Mm -hmm. someone safe to turn to an outlet is, yeah always good yeah definitely well i yeah i think we're wrapping up but yeah i can't um thank you enough for i know that this is yeah like not like a light conversation (laughs) to have um and we really appreciate you yeah thank you for having me guys for sure um yeah i think it can sound cliche when people talk about like how like brave you have to be to like talk about these things but like, like i hate when people say that i'm like no no no. it's just because like i know what you're saying though it's just like it just doesn't feel like that to me in the moment i literally just feel like i'm just in my truth and i'm just finally able to be honest about like so many things like that i just couldn't like it's like there's so many things intertwined with the one thing that you can't tell people about and it's like shuts you down as a person so it's like a whole new feeling in a sense for me sometimes just to be like like unapologetic yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah well i guess i i was just trying to say like, i know that can be cliche but yeah i think you really provide like so much light for so many people i'm sure you're <laughs> aware of that yeah. to some extent but i feel like that light is even broader than you may know and yeah i'm grateful grateful that you're here thank you and the work that you're doing appreciate you guys i'm grateful for you guys having me and the work that you guys are doing and highlighting all these really amazing women it's really great (laughs) we're doing what we can yeah thank you so much thank you